Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode on Beyond the Bikini Radio. I thought it would be fun to do a client Q&A here on Beyond the Bikini Radio. So I do have all of my clients in a private Facebook group, and I am going to extend an invitation for anyone who is needing community support for their fitness goals, they're just wanting more help with answering their questions, any of that. Um, I would love for you to join my Facebook group. So it's called Nicole Barriers Fit Fam. What you have to do is search that and then request access into there. And I did ask all of my clients in the group, which not everyone is actively working with me. However, majority of my clients are in the group and they're active on a daily basis, posting recipe ideas, um, motivational videos, progress pictures, and just getting further help in the group. Now, I asked everyone, what questions do you have for me? And these are some of the questions that I got, and I'm going to address them all, um, well, most of them, (laughs) in my podcast today. So first question is, are there any foods that we should avoid? And my answer is no. I will say more processed foods are more palatable, so it's really easy to overconsume on things like candy and chips and ice cream and more processed foods, it's very easy to overconsume on them because they are calorically dense. However, there are no foods that you should avoid. When it comes to like your macros and flexible dieting, I highly recommend that you make 80% more, more towards 90% of your intake coming from whole foods with the 10 to 20% coming from more fun foods. So don't avoid any food. Um, create a, like bring it into your diet in moderation. Now, if you are, you know, fitting in Pop-Tarts every day, candy every day, you're not hitting your fiber goals, your energy is really low. I mean, those are all red flags that your diet isn't in alignment with your goals and you're probably not feeling the best. So then that's when I would say, yeah, maybe those foods aren't the best for you and your goals and not necessarily fat loss, but just you feeling your best. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. This is a great question. How do I encourage good eating habits with my daughter without making food a focal point? I don't want food to be a stress and I don't want her to think that it's all about being skinny. Now, I don't have any children myself, but I think that this is such an important question to ask because our children, our young ones around us, they hear how we speak to our bodies and speak to our food. So if you are associating a certain food of being bad or making you fat or not being good, I mean, what does a kid want to be? They want to be good, right? They want to be well-behaved. No kid actively wants to be bad. So if you're labeling foods as bad, congratulations. You just created a poor habit around that food uh, for your child. Um, And I know that sounds kind of intense, but (laughs) it just makes me reflect on my parents. Like they used to tell me all the time, like carbs are bad or this is bad or eating late at night is bad. And all I ever wanted to do as a kid was be a good kid. I never got in trouble. 
So you have to be careful of how you speak about your food and speak about your body. Really try not to have negative comments on your body in front of your daughter as well because that can be triggering for them and kind of develop their own self-image of themselves because your kids look at you like a queen. Like your kids love you unconditionally. And if you're picking yourself apart, they already think you're perfect. So if you are saying that you're not good enough, like it just creates a very very poor relationship there with their own personal body because you created them. So, um, in regards to foods, I would say associate them with how they feel. Sometimes kids get belly aches from eating lots of sugar. So let's say you give them some candy or they got some at like a party and they're like, Oh, my stomach hurts or, Oh, I have a headache. Just ask them and be like, Hey, Hey Becky, what'd you have for lunch? Oh, I had like a ho-ho. Oh, did you get a bellyache and a headache after that? Yeah, I did. Like, I didn't feel good. That would be Becky's response. Then you'd say, isn't that interesting how the ho-ho gave you a headache and gave you a bellyache? And then she'll be like, oh, yeah, that is weird that it did that. There you go. You just made that correlation with that food and them not feeling good. Not necessarily like them gaining weight or being bad, but they'll realize like, oh, I don't feel good when I eat certain foods. And then maybe, you know let's say you gave them like a really well-balanced dinner and they're feeling really good or like had a game that they were performing at like a softball game or like a soccer game and they had a great performance and you just, you want to make that connection with your kids again um then you have great energy in that game like you played so well and they'll be like yeah i did like i scored a couple goals i did great awesome like do you remember like dinner like being like i don't know let's say you did a potato some chicken and some green beans and they're like yeah like the dinner was good then you need to make that connection for them that that food helped give you energy to do so well today isn't that amazing and your kid will start to make connections like that so again don't label foods as good as good and bad more focus on like the feeling and like what's in it um sometimes kids will be cute too and they'll like flex their little baby muscles and be like mom look at my biceps and just Again, educate them. Take that moment to educate them. Talk about the importance of protein and how that can help build their muscles and make them even stronger. Okay, let's see, let's see. Oh my gosh. We got the questions pulled up in front of me and they dance around. Can, can I increase my muscle mass if I'm in a slight caloric deficit? No, you cannot. Uh, you cannot diet and put on muscle at the same time. Muscle is a very expensive tissue for the body to put on. Um, therefore, it requires calories to do so. So if you're consuming a caloric deficit, you're not putting on muscle, unfortunately. Uh, Ricky Lee asked, how do I best ask to work in on a piece of equipment? Okay, a lot of you get nervous with sharing equipment or asking to work in or asking if someone is using like a certain dumbbells or a bench. Guys, the gym is a public place. You have to stand up for yourself and you have to take up space. I highly encourage you that you realize you can take up space in the gym and you should. You do not have to be pushed to one little corner of the gym and be fearful of that. So simply like just how you asked in the group, how do I ask to work in? I walk up to the person, I take my headphones out of my ears and I say, hey, I see that you're doing tricep pushdowns. Can I work in a few if I'm on like a time-bound schedule for the day? Usually 10 times out of 10, times out of 10, that'd be perfect. Usually nine times out of 10, the person will say yes. 
Or let's say I need a barbell for like squats or deadlifts or like a bench press. I would go up to this person and take my headphones out again, again, being polite and showing them that you're attentive to them and you want to communicate and say, hey, um, I see that you're using the barbell. Um, How many more sets do you have? And usually the person will be like three sets, four sets, or, oh my gosh, I'm almost done. And if they say that, just say thank you and you can take over. Again, it's just about asking and normal communication. Everybody looks intense in the gym, but like realize most of us have headphones in and we're listening to some pretty intense music, maybe a podcast. We are all in our own zone. So you have to initiate that conversation and it's good to just walk by them, take your headphones out and I mean, just wait for them to be done working or try to catch them in between their set. Okay, Stacy asked, are you supposed to eat before lifting? Are you supposed to eat after lifting? If so, what do you recommend as a post-workout meal? Yes, you, well, you don't always have to eat before you lift, but I will say you should probably eat before a high-intensity workout or if you find you get dizzy during your lift and get low blood sugar. Other than that, um, I'm completely fine with fasted workouts as long as it works for you and your schedule. Personally, personally that's what I like to do. Um, I would say five out of the seven days in the week. However, you should always eat after your workout. So if you're fasted, like let's say you did a fasted workout, your post-workout nutrition is very important. So you want to make sure that's a carb-heavy and protein-heavy meal. What carbs do is they're like taxi drivers for protein. Carbs help shuttle the protein into the muscles. So you need the carbs there with the protein um, to help you know, shuttle the nutrients to your muscles to rebuild. You don't want just a protein-rich meal without the carbohydrates there. Now, let's say you ate before you're lifting and then after your workout, you're wanting to replenish your glycogen stores and your muscles as well. Well, if you already ate a meal right before your lifting session and it's just like two hours later, you might just need a protein shake. So just supplement in with a whey protein shake that's going to be easy to digest and really quick uptake to the muscles. Um, So that's what I would recommend post-workout. But again, you do need to lift sorry, you need to, you do need to lift, but you do need to eat after your weight training. Um, if you're not eating, you're kind of throwing away the session by not replenishing the muscles right away. Um, and anywhere between 30 minutes to two hours post-workout is completely fine to eat a meal. You don't have to like set the weights down and then shove a chicken breast on your mouth. You're fine. Okay. Kareen asked, when tracking our macros, what other micronutrients should we monitor as well? Also, what is the recommended amount of sugar we should intake? Now, I will say when you're tracking your macros, if you are a beginner, just start with tracking your macros and paying attention to macros. You are going to overwhelm yourself if you're looking at all of your micronutrients like salt and sugar and saturated fat and trans fat. Like You're just going to get very overwhelmed by looking at all of those. Um, There is no issue with consuming a higher amount of sodium, so more than uh, 2300 milligrams per day. I know that's what the um, RDA recommended daily amount is for sodium, but you're fine if you consume more. Odds are you're sweating it out anyway. Uh, as for sugar, I would say you really don't need to consume more than 75 grams a day. That's pretty high, um, but it is highly recommended that you consume um, roughly around 25 grams of sugar tops a day. However, the natural occurring sugars from fruit doesn't, it shouldn't be included with that intake. So that's more or less 25 grams of added sugar per day. So that is like added into your food, uh, like the white sugar. 
And then uh, you're, you're going to have natural occurring sugars from lactose, so that's your dairy, your fructose, which is from fruit, and that's technically not considered into your sugar intake. Um, at least that's how like the RDA looks at it. Okay, we have a couple more questions that I'm going to answer um, for today's little Q&A. If you guys are liking my Q&As too, let me know and I will do more because I think lots of questions are being asked and they need to be answered. Okay. Let's see. All right. Any tips to stop hair loss? So hair loss can be a genetic thing for women. Um, I will say that could be a hormonal issue going on. So I highly recommend that you get some blood work done and focus on your fat. So consuming enough fats, whenever I see a woman consuming less than 40 grams or even 35 grams of fat, it's on the lower end. So you want to increase your fats a little bit if you're experiencing hair loss. I myself have experienced hair, la hair loss during a dieting phase. I'm going to take a sip of coffee here. And um, one thing that I found that has helped my hair is increasing my fats. So fats, again, are directly correlated to your hormonal health. Um, and hair losses can be a sign that your hormones might be um, not balanced. Okay. So Casey asked, not sure if this is a question, but say you go over a certain macro. Is it true that if this happens, you can balance it out with another macro? Like if you go over protein by 10 to 20 grams, can you forfeit a fat if you have 10 to 20 grams left over of that macro? That is true, but the caloric value of fats are higher. So for example, uh, five grams of fat is going to be roughly 45 calories, whereas five grams of protein is going to be roughly 20 calories. So you're going to, if you're going to try to balance it out, it's going to be easy, easier to um, focus on proteins and carbs since the caloric value per one gram is the same. One gram of protein is four calories per gram, whereas one gram of carbohydrates is four calories per gram. And fat is nine calories per gram. So you're going to see that variance there. You can do that. Again, try not to do that all the time. Uh, if you are, your macros just might not be the best fit for you and your goals. Okay, Becky asks, what's saturated fat? Do I need to worry about that and avoid it? Does it count towards total fat? So number one, it does not count towards total fat. She also asked, if so, why is it included on the label? Um, it's just regulated for it to be included on the label. Saturated fat comes from the fat from, um, no, trans fat comes from animal sources. I will say I need to do more research on saturated fat but it does not have to be avoided. Um, I wouldn't recommend you like consuming tons of saturated fat. Odds are, if you're eating a whole foods-based diet, you're not consuming a ton of saturated fat. Um, I, I do understand that saturated fat is very easily um, transferred into adipose tissue, so it, it's directly correlated to fat gain in the body, so you don't want to consume like 30 grams of saturated fat a day or even 20 grams or try to keep it below uh, five grams a day. I need to do more research on that though. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm live on my podcast right now and I'm letting you know, like that's something I need to personally do more research on. Again though, I wouldn't say watch it if you are consuming mostly a whole foods based diet. Now, if you're someone who's going to fast food places a lot, eating a lot of processed foods and packages that are fatty dense, then yes, you really need to read those labels. 
Becky asks, how do I know if I'm going catabolic? What are signs? I was hungry and tired during my workout today, and it got me thinking. Um, that's not a sign that you're going catabolic. I mean, there's not, like, clear signs right away that you're going catabolic. If you guys don't know what catabol- catabolism means, it means losing muscle, whereas anabolic means gaining muscle. That's why they call it anabolic steroids. Uh, catabolic signs that you are going catabolic would be that your strength is going down so maybe your weight is staying the same so your relative strength should be the same if your weight isn't changing Um, but you find that your strength is going down on a consistent basis not just like a random day where your strength's down Um, so weights aren't going up if not weights are going down you find that you're always sore all the time you find that you're always low energy libido might be down these are all signs that you're catabolic Um, and then other things too just like dry hair skin and nails almost like um signs of over dieting would be my main indicators that you're going catabolic okay so (laughs) she asked um how are high-waisted leggings so magical they just are okay i'm so happy that this whole high-waisted legging trend has come back because it has been a big confidence booster for me i used to like look at high-waisted leggings and think Oh my gosh, I would never wear that. But now I can't imagine my life without high-waisted leggings. So I'm going to stop in here and think of a couple brands that I really like for leggings. Number one, the OG Lululemon Align Pants are amazing, super flattering. Um, I also really like Jed Norse pants, but they do run small, so size up in those. And then other leggings that I've worn that I've liked before... Well, number one, I will say I do not like Gymshark leggings. I don't. I don't like how they fit on my body. If you guys have a super long torso, odds are you will not like Gymshark leggings. Um, but there's another brand out there. I'm trying to think of what it is. 90 Degree is at Marshalls and like TJ Maxx and you can find it on Amazon. That's a pretty good brand as well. I've been wanting to try Alpha Elite leggings. They look really flattering um, on the booty and on the waist, but... Again, high-waisted leggings are where it's at, and uh, active wear, you got to invest in some good active wear so you feel your best, because when you are comfortable at the gym, and you have like a cute matching outfit, it's just going to boost your confidence overall. Uh, Everybody feels good if they're wearing clothes that makes them feel their best, so... Okay, uh, those are all my client Q&As right now. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Again, a podcast does not grow unless you have reviews and ratings. So if you guys could please do Beyond the Bikini a favor and give it a rating and review and also share on your Instagram story, that would mean so much to me. Um, Again, Beyond the Bikini is here to help you guys out and I'm wanting to get more guests on my uh, podcast, but... I also want that guest to be heard as well. And the only way we can spread the word of Beyond the Bikini is through sharing it. So again, I hope you all have an amazing day. And if you ever have questions for me that you want to add on to a future Q&A, let me know. Hey guys, on the Beyond the Bikini podcast, you know I talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be hard to hit the gym consistently, track your macros to a T, and feel like you're making progress. So rather you're a newbie in the gym or someone who's been hitting the gym consistently but possibly hit a plateau, then I recommend you check out my one-on-one coaching. 
No, I do not only coach prep clients, but I coach lifestyle clients as well. I would love to hear more about your goals, so feel free to apply for my one-on-one coaching down below at the link. There we can discuss what you're wanting to accomplish in the gym, with your relationship with food, and how I can help you reach your goals. Okay, guys, so if you are enjoying Beyond the Bikini Radio, I would really love if you could share my podcast up on your Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is. Beyond the Bikini Radio has been up for almost a year, and you guys know that I share a variety of content. Not only do I talk about mental health, physical health, competing, but other areas too with women's health, interviewing guests, interviewing bikini competitors. If you're wanting me to continue doing Beyond Bikini Radio, I would just love to see some love back and you sharing the podcast. It makes me so happy seeing you guys enjoy it and it gives me a better idea of what type of content you guys are enjoying and what episodes you want me to cover in the future or what topics resonated with you. So again, thank you for being a Beyond the Bikini radio listener and keep on listening.